This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Best Year Ever Live, a three-day transformational event that will help you set powerful, achievable goals, gain support from hundreds of peers, and dedicate time to build out your dreams. Find out more at bestyearever.me slash live. Within 74 days of taking office, President John F. Kennedy faced his first major challenge. In April 1961, 1,500 Cuban exiles landed at the Bay of Pigs, aiming to overthrow the government led by Fidel Castro. The exiles had American arms and air support, but they were outnumbered more than 15 to 1. After just three days, they surrendered. Although Kennedy didn't create the plan, he approved it. When it failed, the whole country demanded answers. So the very next day, he held a televised press conference. While some government officials ducked for cover, Kennedy didn't. He said, quote, I'm the responsible officer of the government. He also said this, a version of an old proverb that's been around for centuries. There's an old saying that uh, victory has a hundred fathers and defeat is an orphan. When you achieve something big, everybody celebrates with you. When you don't, Any failure, whether it's a New Year's resolution or a new product launch, isn't just disappointing. It can also be lonely and embarrassing. Maybe you felt that. You set a big goal, announced it to the world, but then life got in the way. Nothing went the way you thought it would. And by the end of the year, you felt ashamed, maybe embarrassed, and you just wanted to forget about it. When you miss a big goal, it's tempting to do just that. Pretend it never happened, and then just move on. When we ignore failure, we miss a great opportunity for growth. You can learn a lot from defeat. So we really have two choices when it comes to missed goals. We can bury them in the backyard and forget about them. Or we can look straight at them, analyze them, and find out what went wrong and why. To achieve our goals, we must become excellent students of our own failures. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work, succeed at life, and lead with confidence. So... I love this topic because we love to coach people on setting and achieving big goals, but let's be honest, we've all missed some or all of some important goals on our list, right? We do, and I miss goals almost every year. Mm -hmm. Me too. So this year is no exception, but I want to go back to a goal that I missed that was really consequential because it was expensive and it was painful. So back in 2004, we bought the house that we're currently living in. And mm-hmm. it's an old Victorian home. And it was a disaster when we bought it. You know, it was going to cost a lot of money to renovate it. And it was going to take a lot of time. The problem was I had a goal to finish that within like a given year at a specific budget. And as it turned out, it cost twice as much <laughs> and took twice as long as I anticipated. And, and I can remember calling up the bank like a month before the house was supposed to be finished. And I told him kind of the, the, the final estimate. I mean, the thing had gone so out of control. And I said, okay, here's the final estimate. Got this from my builder. Everything's going to be cool. This is what it's going to cost. They said, fine. 
Then two days before we were supposed to, you know, finish up the construction, my builder called and told me it was going to be 2x of what he oh, told me the gosh. 30 days prior to that. So then I had to make another embarrassing call to my banker and say, I am so sorry. I mean, I felt so incompetent and like such a failure myself. And of course, I was super angry at the builder, but I was scrambling at the end trying to figure out how I was going to pay for this, how I was going to do it. Now, I'm, I'm glad we made the investment and I'm thrilled with the house. I love living here. But it was an expensive lesson, and it was absolutely a goal failure. So I think construction could really just be a metaphor for life in so many ways, Yes, right? I know this because we also just finished a construction project of our office and had a similar experience as a part of a historic restoration. Um, it likewise took well, probably three times as long and definitely cost twice as much as I anticipated that it would. Um, and there were a lot of lessons to be learned in that. So what did, what were some of the lessons that you learned, though, in your original situation with the house? I think, to be honest, at first, I was really reticent to set a big goal like that Yeah. because I thought there's so much at stake, so much at risk. And this felt so painful and it was so embarrassing to me that I, that I was reticent to take out a goal. I kind of worked through that. You mean after it, it didn't go like you planned? Yeah, after it didn't go like I, yeah. I, I wanted. I was reticent to set a big goal like mm -hmm. that. But after I worked through it and kind of thought about it, I thought, you know, I could have totally done a different kind of job on this. Like I could have um, worked with my contractor in a different way. I could have set the thing up so that I had more probability of success. And in fact, when I built the carriage house behind my current house, which was a big project, I was much smarter about it because I said, I don't like touching that stove and getting burnt again. So this time I'm going to try to take the risk out of it some. And so we came up with a very solid bid on the front end where we you know, made a lot of decisions on the front end, which made the planning longer, but also reduced the likelihood of cost overruns. It took a little bit longer than I anticipated for sure, but I was happy for that because I, I it came in right on budget. And so I avoided the pain of the additional cash. So I, I think in every goal, when you miss it, you can learn from it and you can get smarter and better at setting goals in the future, which is, of course, what we want to talk about today. So you can achieve your goals this year by avoiding the four horsemen of goal failure. All right. Now, part of my job is to represent the audience here. Right. My role. So I have to ask, you know, again, for the audience, right? what uh, what are the, the four horsemen? Because, of course, really... you know what the four horsemen are. I mean, our audience might not be familiar <laughs> with that metaphor. Asking for a friend. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Yeah. So the four horsemen are a illusion or a metaphor in the book of Revelation that symbolize war, pestilence, death, and famine. Got it. Okay. So these are like that, like the last judgment. These things are unleashed on the world. And so it may be a little bit too strong of a metaphor for what we're talking about here with goal setting. Or maybe not. Depends or maybe not. <laughs> but but these are kind of like four bad things that can happen, you know, when it comes to goal setting. Right. And they're the bad things that happen when we go through a goal failure. So we want to, you know, we thought we'd use a metaphor that people could remember. I feel like we need some real like dun-dun-dun kind of music here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe Nick, our producer, can insert Maybe those. he can work that out. So for those of you listening today, I want you to pull into your mind a goal that you have missed that's been particularly painful for you in the last year, because that's going to inform um, what you get out of this episode. So get that in your mind. And with that, Dad, what is horseman number one? 
Horseman number one, the goal lacks clarity. Uh, That's a big one. Okay, so why this is important is that clarity accelerates progress. So when you ever have clarity about something, it accelerates your progress towards the goal. When you lack clarity, you're not going to have progress. So I was uh, thinking about this, a time when I got lost in the mountains of Colorado. And I didn't know where I was. My GPS didn't work. I took a wrong turn and I was lost. I had a destination, which was to get back to the cabin where I was staying, but I was wandering around in the woods because I didn't have clarity about where I was going and how I was going to get there. I'm going to just go in for a walk, but I got lost. And it was a couple hours before I wandered into an area where now my GPS worked and I could get a map and say, oh, okay, if I follow this trail, then I'm going to eventually get back to the house. So when you've got that confusion, you're going to wander around and you've got to have clarity when it comes to what you want. And a lot of people have just these big aspirations of what they want, like they want to get in shape or they want to save some money or they want to increase, you know, the amount of uh, revenue that they're producing in their business or more importantly, the profit they're doing in their business. The problem is those goals lack clarity. Those are more like New Year's resolutions. And when you have a New Year's resolution, there's a reason why 92% of New Year's resolutions are never accomplished. Why? They're too broad. They're too ambiguous. They lack clarity. Yeah, that's why we really advocate for a smarter approach to goal setting, which is an acronym that means specific, write a book versus finish writing free to focus. Which is my next book. Right. Measurable earn more money versus drive commissions up 30%, actionable, be more health conscious versus walk for 30 minutes five times a week, risky, boost revenue by 3% versus boost revenue by 15%. I got to stop you on that one though. So why is that more risky? Well, because it's bigger. Right. You don't quite know how to get there. And so the whole point about that, and we're not going to go into this in depth, but the whole point about that is that if the goal's not in your discomfort zone, Mm -hmm then you're not going to be compelled to really stick with it because it's not going to matter that much to you. You know, a trivial goal that's in your comfort zone, you're kind of like, eh, you know, you hit a little turbulence and you give up on the goal. Mm-hmm. So you want something that's in the discomfort zone. That's right. Next, time keyed, acquire five new design clients versus acquire them by December 31st. So a deadline. A right. deadline. Exciting, research new recipes versus join a cooking club. So this is really the difference between projects and goals. If they're not exciting, maybe an important project that you need to accomplish, right. like finish your taxes for this year. And then finally, relevant, read four books per month versus read two books per month. Now, why is that relevant? So this is all about the season of life that you're in. So for example, we are in very different seasons of life. You may be able to easily read four books a month because you have more discretionary time since you no longer have kids at home. I, on the other hand, would be stretching to read two books a month because my time outside of work is pretty full. So you just have to keep that in mind so that you're not kind of in a delusional zone of goal setting where there's no way you can accomplish it. Think of a way to make your current or your next goal clearer. The more concrete it is, the clearer it is, the more likely you're going to achieve it. Because again, I just want to emphasize that clarity accelerates progress and increases the probability that you're going to actually achieve the goal. So make what's horseman number two. Horseman number two is that your goal lacks motivation. 
you know, one word all parents regret teaching their children is the word why. No kidding. I was told <laughs> if, as a child, stop asking I why. I know. If you have a two-year-old, you may relate to this right now. It's the right word, though, when you're having a hard time with motivation because why is critical to accomplishing a goal. If you're not connected to your why, it's very difficult to have the kind of sustained motivation that you need to make lasting impact. So last year, one of my goals, my professional goals, was to create a compensation and titling schematic for our company. Okay, I got to stop you there. That, by its very nature, doesn't sound exciting. So (laughs) explain to me how that was a goal. Was it because of the motivation? It was because of the motivation. So there were two two primary motivations that I had. One, uh, we're rapidly scaling. And every time we hired someone, we were making up titles. We were trying to figure out compensation out of thin air. And we tended to inflate them. We tended to, to inflate them, which you know, I could kind of see into the future. And it was going to be a real problem that we were going to have to backpedal from. Um, and it was just taking up a ton of my time. The decision making, every time we would hire someone, was so cumbersome that it was driving me crazy. I also knew that in order to affect Actively build our business and recruit top talent, which we're passionate about doing, um, we had to know for sure that we were competitive, very competitive in the market with the salaries and compensation packages that we were offering. So we needed to do an analysis of that, which I did not do myself, but ended up hiring a consultant who did that for us. But anyway, it was a really important project, but you're right. On on its face, it was kind of boring. Okay. But I, I, I get what you did there. I mean, I get that it was basically a means to an end, right. which was more freedom for you and allow you to do That's the more- right. And better talent for us as a company. Okay. Right. So about three to five months into it, though, we were in the weeds. You know, a lot of decisions to be made, a lot of analysis that I had to go through with a consultant. You know, my eyes were kind of starting to glaze over. And it was really tempting for me to just punt it and say, ah, we'll get to that next year. You know, I just didn't really have kind of the heart to follow through. However, what I realized was I was going to be tied up. And in other words, not free in my time if I didn't have a model for this. And it was going to become increasingly hard to know if we were competitive in the market as we were trying to recruit top talent. So I was able to reconnect with that why and get back on board with my motivation and finished it. And now we have this neat and tidy little model that really takes me out of the decision-making process regarding those two things largely. And it's so helpful. I'm so glad I stuck with it. Um, But if I had disconnected from that why, I would have given up for sure. That, that That's powerful. But I want us to talk also about the difference between sort of internal or intrinsic motivations mm-hmm. and external motivations, mm-hmm. because there was an article I read in the Journal of Psychology that basically said that if you're motivated by external things versus internal things, the likelihood of achieving them, far, far yes. less. So I can remember back, this was not too long. I guess we'd been married maybe about 20 years, and we didn't have a budget as a family. And my wife, your mom, said, I think it would be good that, that we got in a budget because we're in debt and we're struggling to get out of debt and we were spending more money than we had every month. And so she set up a meeting. I don't know if you have ever told you this story. I don't think so. She set up a meeting with me and Dave Ramsey. This was back when he was, you know, <laughs> small potatoes and he was willing to, to meet with us. And I had met him because he wanted me to consider being his literary agent. And so she said, I want you to come to this meeting. I'm not going to tell you what it is because she knew I wouldn't come. Oh, my gosh. And so I went to this meeting and there was Dave Ramsey. Okay, so this is the pre-glory Dave Ramsey. But I mean, Gail laid out everything about our finances. I was mortified. You know, I was embarrassed. 
you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, I, I, my image is important to me. I'm an Enneagram three for those of you that know what that means. So I'm the kind of guy that before I go to the dentist, I want to floss for six months, you know, just to make sure that I don't have any problems. If I, if the house cleaners are going to come over, you know, I want to straighten up before they come over. Yeah. I mean, that's my kind of my natural tendency. Right. And so the thought of me opening up my finances to Dave Ramsey, oh my gosh. But here's the crazy thing about it. It actually didn't motivate me. And it didn't motivate me, even though I was it was embarrassed, because I felt coerced. Hmm. And there was something about it that made me just want to rebel. Like, I'm, I'm not going to clean up my act on this, because I feel like I'm put in a situation where I'm coerced. So what I had to do, and when I finally got my financial uh, act together and started accomplishing financial goals, was when I dug deep and found my own reasons. And my own reasons were things like, I didn't want the stress of debt. You know, I wanted to have financial margin. I wanted to make sure that my family was taken care of when I when I passed on. So those were all the internal motivations that really worked. But even a meeting with Dave Ramsey, where he saw, you know, sort of the, the nakedness of my financial situation wasn't enough to motivate me. And it was because it was external. So for those of you listening, you've got to find your own reasons. So that is an amazing story about Dave Ramsey. You never I, heard it before? No. I think some people might say you were a little hard-headed. Oh my I mean, gosh, if not no even kidding. Dave Ramsey can get through to you. I don't know. That might be a personal yeah. problem. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I've, I've worked, worked through it. Out. But I do think it illustrates how critically important it is to have an intrinsic motivation. Yes. That there's no extrinsic motivation that's powerful enough to move you if you don't want to be moved, you know? And that's important to remember both about ourselves and other people. Uh, that are in our lives, because if we kind of impose our own uh, goals on them, it can be problematic. However, there's one caveat to that, which is a tricky one. And that is, what if you're in a professional setting where your boss has a very important goal, but uh, it's not something that's important particularly to you, or you're not you know, motivated or passionate about it? So then what do you do? Yeah, then you got to dig a little bit deeper to find your own reasons. Like maybe uh, one reason, if you can't find any others, is you want to keep your job. You know, that's important because you've developed this habit of eating and so is your family. Right. But but I think it's more important than that. I think I think you've got to you've got to dig deep and you've got to figure out, you know, why is this important to me? You know, how can I win in this situation? You know, maybe it's professional development. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's that I'm gonna learn something that I haven't uh, learned before. Maybe it's an opportunity to develop a new skill. Whatever it is, you've got to find your own reasons and you've got to kind of excavate that you know, inside of your own heart and come up with something. And I, and I really believe in this too, is literally writing down the why. You know, why am I motivated? Because you're going to get to a point when you're in the middle, the messy middle, when you're not so motivated. You know, the initial kind of shine of that, that goal you want to achieve has worn off. And now it's just this thing that's looming out there that's hanging over your head that you've committed to. And you're wondering why in the world did I commit to that thing? And that's where the value of writing down these intrinsic or internal motivations are connecting you to a bigger story, a bigger why, what that's going to enable, because you want to be able to review that when you get in the messy middle so that you'll finish. It's kind of like back to my story of the compensation model goal that I had. Right. You know, that that was sort of self-imposed. I mean, I was kind of being my own boss in that moment of saying this is important to do. Um, but it certainly wasn't exciting. You could have handed me that goal just as easily. And I probably would have kind of groaned inside for a minute, just as I did when I set it for myself. And I really had to find that intrinsic motivation to accomplish something that, you know, on its face was kind of boring. Mike Boyer here from the content team at Michael Hyatt and Company. 
If you're enjoying this conversation on learning from goal failure, you'll want to check out the article on the science of tackling large projects by Aaron Wildermuth in this week's Michael Hyatt magazine. You can find it in the show notes at lead2.win. There's also a complete transcript of today's show and a quick link for leaving a review of the program. If you're new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen. It's completely free and you'll get fresh insights and practical solutions delivered to your device every single week. If you need help with that, visit lead2.win slash subscribe. It'll take less than five minutes, I promise. Now, back to the show. So as a reminder, horseman number one was that the goal lacks clarity. Number two is that the goal lacks motivation. So what's number three? Horseman number three, the goal lacks activation. So failure to launch is a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think when most of us look at a goal that's you know meets all the smarter criteria and it's something that's really meaningful to us and something we really want to achieve, probably one of the first things that we face is a sense of feeling overwhelmed. And it's really easy if we're not careful to start procrastinating. And this is something I face every year in every big goal. I just procrastinate. And this is one of the reasons why people often put deadlines on the goal at the end of the year. So they have all these goals, but they're all due at the end of the year, which means I don't really have to start on it right now because I got lots of time to get started on it. So that's one of the reasons why we advocate you know, less time rather than more time, because the less time creates a constraint that can sometimes get us activated faster and get us into the game faster than, than, than otherwise. So here's a good example. Whenever I take on a writing project, and I've written, I think, I don't know, nine books now, you know, there's always a tendency to procrastinate because, I mean, right now I'm working on my book that's going to be coming out in 2020. So the book that's coming out in 2019 is, you know, the publisher's got it. It's all finished. The typesetting's done. That's going to be coming out in April. And I, you know, I relaxed for about a minute, enjoyed the fact that I accomplished that goal, at least my part of it. But then I realized I have a contract to do a book in 2020. And I, I don't yet have kind of the clarity on what that needs to be. And I keep procrastinating. So that's what a lot of people do. They procrastinate. It's not the achievement of the goal. I know I'll write the book. It's getting started. And that's how it is for most people, getting started, getting in the game. So one little hack that I used is I, I scheduled an appointment. So I've got, a, I've got an appointment. In fact, I've got two sessions scheduled with Joel, your husband, our chief content officer, so that we can begin to tease this out and get the clarity we need to get started. I know once I get in the game and we have, have that meeting, everything else is going to become much easier. But it's the getting started part that's hard. Do you experience that? Totally. Um, I also find that if I start writing things down, it becomes so much less overwhelming. You know, that when Mm. I I think that's really kind of what you're saying too. When you keep it in your head, you can get so stuck and paralyzed and you've got to get it out in some way so you can get moving, especially if it's a creative project or a new initiative that you want to do. You've got to talk to somebody about it, write about it, something so you can get some activation and get going on the next steps. Yeah. So another uh, example of this or a way to kind of hack this and make sure that you don't, you know, fall victim to this horseman, the lack of activation is to start with the next easiest step. Yes. So, you know, there's this advice that's going around that, that is, you know, it, it comes up in various forms, like eat the frog, which means take the biggest, ugliest part of the project and achieve that first. I, I personally think that's stupid advice. (laughs) 
Because that's like walking into the gym, which I did this morning. And let's just say I hadn't worked out in months. And I go, you know what? I'm going to walk over to the free weights. I'm going to grab 200 pounds and I'm going to bench press that. You know, that's a recipe for injury or stress at least. And it's going to keep me out of the gym probably for weeks, if not months. The smart thing to do would be to warm up which I still do to this day. I mean, I'm working out three times a week in the gym doing strength training. I still start on the treadmill just to warm myself up. And this is how it is for, for achieving your goals. Start with an easy thing. It's easy to get on the treadmill and walk for five minutes as a warm up, And then I just sort of gradually get into the workout. The same thing's got to happen. So for when I'm writing a book, you know, it's got to be something simple. It's got to be in my comfort zone. So what I wouldn't do is take the biggest, ugliest, gnarly chapter and start with that. And a lot of people would advise you to do that. Mm -hmm. Start with that big chapter. Here's the problem. If you start there, you're likely never going to finish the book because you're going to be defeated. You're going you're gonna to lose in that contest against that, that big next step. So instead, chunk it down and ask yourself, what's the smallest next step I can take? What's a baby step that'll move me forward, give me some confidence and a sense of momentum? Well, this is kind of back to the whole Dave Ramsey idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Full circle to your story earlier is he really teaches the baby steps, which is that you do these incremental, small, and increasingly large actions. Okay, so you have the big goal of get out of debt, but you get there one baby step at a time, including, you know, your I think your first baby step is to save $1,000 for your emergency fund. You know, just little tiny bit by little tiny bit. And that's very doable. And once you've, uh, we, we worked through that whole system, Joel and I did, and we got married yep. and got out of debt. We have to. And when we went through that process, we didn't start with our biggest debt, which I think was a car loan yep. at, the, at the time. We started with some dinky little, you know, like $200, you know, credit on an old credit card or something. And we paid that off and we're like, yeah, okay, now let's, now let's snowball it, you know? And it started to, to feel like it was picking up steam and we got more confidence and we got more, um, momentum. And then it just, all of a sudden we just kind of fell over the finish line over time because we kept moving in that direction. And that's what we want to have happen for people's goals. Okay. So horseman number one is the goal lacks clarity. Horseman number two, the goal lacks motivation. Horseman number three, the goal lacks activation. What is horseman number four, Meg? Horseman number four is that the goal lacks visibility. This is a huge one. So what does that mean? So it means that you set goals at the beginning of the year, and presumably you've set them according to you know our smarter framework, which and you've is, written them, you've written them down. So, you know, they're, they're stored somewhere on your computer or in your planner or whatever. Um, but then you never look at them again. Right. And this happens for so many people. It feels so good to set the goals. And then you just kind of go back to your life and they fall out of your mind and your, your memory. And you just kind of get back into the daily rhythm and you never start making any progress. There are no next actions because they're just not on your radar anymore. This is where we have to be really careful because there's something so satisfying about, you know, designing this next mm -hmm. year, planning. And it almost feels like, you know, if we planned, planned it, we've done it. Mm -hmm. but nothing is further from the truth. When you've planned it, maybe you're about 30 or 40% done, but it's the execution of that thing that has to take place. And the only way that's going to happen is if those goals stay visible. If you lose sight of them, if you shove them in a desk drawer or leave them, you know, together dust on your hard drive, 
that's not going to make the goal come to pass. Mm -hmm. Also, when people lose visibility on their goals, they lose the opportunity to revise them or remove them or recommit to them, which are three options that we talk about. Yep. Um, you know, if you're if you're facing some challenges, you're not making the progress you want on your goals, and then they just end up giving up altogether. You know, they throw the whole thing out, and by June, you know, or maybe earlier, they're not even thinking about it anymore. When in reality, they could have made some adjustments along the way if they had a regular practice of visibility that would have enabled them to keep making progress. So this, this visibility thing is so important. I mean, it's important. Business people know this intuitively. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't keep visibility on your key you know, performance indices or indicators, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to manage the business. Well, the same thing is true with your goals. So what are some really practical ways that we can dive into visibility? So on a company-wide basis, besides uh, KPIs, which could be very useful if they're related to goals, one of the things that we do is we have a weekly team huddle where we review the goals that we're working on for the whole year, but particularly the ones that we're working on for the quarter, so two to three that we're working on for the quarter. And we review our progress on those goals once a month. So in other words, we're just reviewing the goals themselves on a weekly basis, but then we're reporting on the progress that we've made on a monthly basis because some of those larger goals, it takes that long to really you know see the need move. Um, that's so helpful for our team because we know what we're all working toward together. Otherwise, um, it could just, you know, they could be kind of in a binder somewhere and maybe the executive team knows them and maybe not, but certainly the rest of the team is not aligned around them and working together towards them. So that's a big deal. Well, what I hear you say when it comes to the company is you've got to have a regular rhythm yes. of review. That's right. And I didn't mean to alliterate that. It just came out. But a regular <laughs> rhythm of review so that, so that these goals are being seen regularly, right. not just by the leadership, but by the entire company That's so right. that you can create alignment. On a personal level, the same thing is true. So for example, for me, I'm reviewing my goals daily. Mm -hmm. So in the Full Focus Planner, I've got my goals listed on one of the very first pages. There's a goal summary there where I've got all my, you know, in this year, 2018, when we're recording this, I've got nine goals for the year mm -hmm. and I'm reviewing those on a daily basis, okay? And then once a week, you know, I'm looking at them a little bit deeper in the motivation level, and then I'm looking at considering those, and we'll go into the, this in depth in a, in a later episode, but then I go in more depth on a quarterly basis. But I'm not losing sight of those because I'm re reviewing them, and it doesn't take that long. This is like a 60-second exercise every day to just scan and ask myself a very important question. What can I do today that would move me in the direction of accomplishing one or more of these goals? Now, not every one of my big three every day has to be related to a goal, but I like to at least to connect to something in one of my, my big three tasks for today that connects to a goal. But there's other ways to do it, too. Have you found other ways to keep your goals visible? Well, just as a reminder, if you're a user of the Full Focus Planner, this is what the ribbons are for. One of the ribbons is intended to be put on your goal page. Yep. Most often, anyway. Some people do it differently, but that's the intention of it. That was and our intention. That was our intention. And then the other one is to be on your daily page the day that you're on. And so it's very easy to just flip back during that process. We've also built it into the weekly preview process. So there's a prompt there to do it. So we're trying to really make it super easy to remind you that this is should be a part of your regular, regular discipline. A couple other ideas, though, is I've printed them out and hung them on the wall yep, before. Yep, me too. So that creates kind of visibility for me to walk in the room and, and, and see those. Another thing I've done, I, I didn't do this last year, but I've done it for a couple of years, where I would create essentially screensavers. So I remember this. You remember this? So I, I paid somebody to actually go out and find, I don't know, I had 10 goals that year, to find 10 images that kind of represented what I wanted to achieve, that were inspirational to me, that helped me visualize what I wanted to accomplish. 
And then they layered over that image the type with the goal. And then Mac has a cool feature where if you put those in the folder and you can say, use the images in this folder as your screensaver. And then it would just rotate through those so that whenever my computer would go to sleep, I would be reminded of those. And that was very, very effective. So as I think back on this year, just once again, I'm reminded that there is so much to learn from the successes and failures, and probably even the failures more than the successes, honestly, because they can inform Mm -hmm. how we go forward. Um, But I am just really excited about activating my goals. We've actually already started the new year because our fiscal year starts on December the 1st. So we have a little jump on it. And it's, it's just so fun to turn the page. Yeah, for me too, man. I'm so excited about this next year. And, and one of the things I would say, too, is that goal achievement is like any other skill. It's something you can grow and get better at. So just because you haven't accomplished goals in the past, you know, this is an opportunity to learn. And hopefully these four horsemen uh, will enable you to do that, to get the kind of clarity you need and get better at goal setting so that 2019 can truly be your best year ever. If you've enjoyed today's episode, you can get the show notes, including a full transcript at lead2.win. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week when we'll show you how being a generous leader pays huge dividends. Until then, lead to win. First of all, construction could probably be a metaphor for <laughs> so many parts of life. Totally. <laughs> Having just done construction on our office this year, I would second that. We had a we similar, similar experience. I did just say it. <laughs> I'm just talking like I'm. Oh, I, I thought you were just. Yeah, that's how casual we are. <laughs> you should totally say that. Okay, we'll go back to that. Okay. I think that could be a metaphor for anything, whatever. Yeah. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Best Year Ever Live, a three day transformational event that will help you set powerful, achievable goals, gain support from hundreds of peers, and dedicate time to build out your dreams. Find out more at bestyearever.me slash live.